Well, hey, Merry Christmas. It's so good to be with you this evening. Excited about uh, just being drawn together and having an opportunity to worship, uh, to, uh, to draw together and to give praise, uh, all because of this special night that uh, we celebrate the birth of a Savior. Have you ever noticed that Christmas has a tendency to be a magnifier? And this is what I mean. Like, if whatever's going on in your life, if maybe things are, are really good, you're in a good season, Christmas seems to kind of highlight that. It magnifies, and things are really good. For instance, we were celebrating Christmas with part of our family yesterday, and, and uh, besides our moms being there and, and Jen's brother, uh, also our youngest daughter and her family. And so uh, what the newest gift from her family is... Uh, this three-and-a-half-month-old uh, grandbaby, uh, her name uh, just is, is so it's just fresh. It's Lily. She's just at that point where she's learning to push her head up. She's got these smiles. She's interacting. And there's just like, oh, this is so good. Some of you uh, are experiencing, for the very first time, a new life in your family. And there's just something about Christmas that, that highlights it's like this is a good season. Or perhaps you've moved with closer to family or reconnected with somebody and it's a good season. And, and Christmas elevates that. You draw people together and you just feel as if like, man, things are really, really good. But also on the flip side, when things not so good, when life is a little bit harder, when maybe there's um, this year is the first time that someone that you've celebrated many Christmases with, they're not there. Maybe there's uh, a death that has taken place, and, or maybe it happened years ago, but every season at Christmas, you remember and you recall. And even though it's a time of celebrating, there's still this sorrow that you revisit over and over again. Perhaps you've lost a job, and it's like, man, you know, times are... Times are extremely hard right now. You're seeing all the images around you that talks about how we show love to one another by, by just pouring out gifts. And we just all celebrate with this abundance, if you will. And you're feeling as if, like, man, that's not my life. And so you're feeling the pressure. And it's, Christmas is just magnifying that the ends are not going to meet. Whichever the case may be, what I want us to see this evening is to recognize that we've been looking at the gift of hope. But the reality is, is that uh, our experience of joy uh, is directly linked to where we place our hope. If we place our hope in the wrong places, uh, we're going to find that there's going to be despair, there's going to be times of struggle or maybe unmet expectations. If we place our hope in the right place, then the joy that we experience will last even though the circumstances in our life are not good. Or we might even say they're just downright bad. And so this, this evening, I just want to remind you and point you to something that when it comes to the gift of hope, we have reason to celebrate. We have time, no doubt, to recognize that we have received something in the birth of a Savior. So I want to encourage you to grab a Bible or take out your phone if you've got the church app or maybe you've got the YouVersion Bible on your phone. I want to encourage you to open it up to Luke chapter 2. Now, no doubt 
Uh, you are somewhat familiar with this Christmas story. We've heard it over and over and over again throughout our life. Maybe we've never heard it in a church setting, but we've heard it through the eyes of Charlie Brown, for sure. Uh, maybe we've uh, seen some kind of reflection of Christmas through, like, the Grinch. Uh, but what I want us to see is through the words of God this evening. We're to go visit uh, a timeless story and really caution us to slow down and to look at what God wants for every one of us to recognize. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. It's a familiar passage. Uh, you have heard these words. You may have even received these words on a greeting card in the past couple of weeks or parts of it. But we're familiar with what Luke writes is we pick it up in Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse 1. Here's what we find. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went from the, up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no, room, there was no guest room available for them. You know, as, as Luke begins telling this now timeless story for you and I, because we've heard it so many times, he's not just including some details or these little snippets to kind of build a more compelling plot line or to make the story more engaging for the reader. But what he really is reminding all of us is simply God works in real time and in real space. And some of you need to be reminded of that or to hear that for the very first time. Uh, to recognize that, that this God that uh, we worship, at least we've worshipped so far this evening, this God that we read about in religious books or is a set of religious or spiritual beliefs, that he's not reserved just for like uh, those who want to be fanatical in their demonstration of a belief system or he's not just something that is far off in a distant place. But... But this Jesus, the one who we celebrate, he was born in a place and in a time that is a fact of human history. You see, the God of the Bible, he works in real time and in real space. When we look at the account of the story, we see that, okay, so Caesar Augustus and Quirinius of Syria, they, they're providing this reference reference point for the world into which Jesus was born. It's a world that was marked by Roman domination. It was a world where might makes right. A world full of paganism. And there was many, many gods and every nation had their own gods and many uh, beyond that. And in this time, the people of God are being oppressed. Being oppressed by the Romans being oppressed by neighboring uh, towns and villages and, and nations. And the people of God are wondering to themselves, has God 
forgotten us. And as Luke describes this, this world that Jesus comes to, it's a reminder for every one of us that God is still at work. It's been 400 years since the Old Testament prophets have spoken about God. There's been complete silence, and yet now here comes the Messiah. And they've been wondering, is God going to show up? I mean, all the heroes of the Old Testament, they've passed away. Uh, There's none of them left, yet God is still at work. And in the silent night, and when the declaration of the angel speaks to the shepherd, there is hope for everyone who will receive it. And so we pick up this story, and we find out, okay, so Joseph and Mary, they're engaged. They're living as peasants in this tiny town in Nazareth. She is very pregnant, yet God is at work. They both individually have had angels come to them and reveal to them that what God is doing in this moment and in this child, he is a special child, a holy child. He's from God, and he's the one who would save people from their sins. And so you would think that life should be a little bit easier for these two. I mean, here we've got God has called them. God has visited Mary, spoken to her, even called her favored one. And as the Holy Spirit comes upon her and she becomes pregnant with the Lord's son, then her her fiancé, Joseph, receives a vision of an angel as well to come visit him and encourage him and let him know, don't worry, she's been chosen. And you are to take her as your wife. I mean, these two have been set apart for something holy. And what they've done is they've obeyed. Uh, They've responded to God's call in their life, even though it would mean for them ridicule, shame, and probably ostracism. They're living in this small town. Try convincing your parents your siblings, the people in your small town, that you're still a virgin while you're getting the nursery ready. I mean, it's it's a crazy story. You and I, we've heard this story. Some some of us, for more years than we care to admit. We've heard this story over and over and over again, and we just accept it as a virgin will conceive and have a child. In real time, I, I got to believe that if, if, if I was Joseph, I would have I had a hard time convincing my parents or my siblings or my friends that nothing shady is going on here. And, and the Lord continues to show that he's at work. Joseph's family, they, they're... they're trying to make ends meet, you'd think life would be a little bit easier for these two. I mean, they've been picked by God. And then on top of all that, the Roman government, they kind of decide, you know what, we want to like update our tax records. And so everyone needs to go back to their hometown and you need to register so that we can make sure that we can get as much money as possible out of you. 
Joseph's family, they're not from Nazareth. Instead, they're from Bethlehem, which is about 70 miles away. Now, for you and I, 70 miles is no big deal. Some of us have driven more than that, even just today. But in the day of Joseph and Mary, 70 miles on foot, in this condition, and in that environment, it was not an easy task. You would think, you would think that life should be a little bit easier for these two. You would think that God would make life a little bit easier for them. You know, I'm, I'm imagining the updated version of this Christmas story. If it was to show up maybe on screen and I was putting it together, I, I, I picture Joe pulls into the parking lot of their apartment complex. He gets out of his 1999 Honda Accord. He takes off his safety vest. He whips it into the back seat. And as he closes the door of the car, it doesn't close. Instead, it just kind of bounces back. And it takes three different times to slam the door shut so that it stays shut. He walks up three flights of steps. He's just kind of dragging. And as he enters into his apartment, he finds Mary, more than eight months pregnant. She's sitting on a chair in front of the fan. The fan is just blowing in her face. She's just having a hard time. And she says to him, I've got nothing to wear. Absolutely nothing fits me. And he says, hey, babe, you need to find something. Because um, I just found out that um, next weekend, we've got to go home for a family reunion. And she, with all the disdain and look in her eyes, she looks, shoots back to him and says, you can go without me. That's the kind of world we live in. I'm having my own problems. I've got my own hardships. I'm not going to be put out. You would think that these two would get a little bit of a break from God. You would think that he would show up. But the truth is, is that, that God is still at work. Now, scripture tells us 700 years earlier, the prophet Micah declares, Bethlehem, Ephrath, he's talking about this town. He says, you are one of the smallest towns in the nation of Judah. But the Lord will choose one of your people to rule the nation, someone whose family goes back to ancient times. This prophecy was spoken well before the birth of Jesus would ever take place. And God is at work, Joseph and Mary. There's no way that this pregnant teenager would ever choose to travel by foot or on the back of this donkey to this distant town to have a baby in a barn. But God is still at work because his son needs to be born in the town of King David. God's at work in real time and in real space. And he's at work in today's time and in today's space. We can count on it, you know, in your mundane, everyday life, when it feels like you're just on a hamster wheel, the same thing over and over. Or maybe the circumstances are out of your control, and you're wondering, is God really there? Does he notice? Does he care? Is he willing to step in and do anything? I don't know what it took for you to get here tonight. Maybe you've been on the go since early this morning. Maybe you've been busy getting family together. Perhaps maybe you've been cooking or baking 
Uh, maybe you've been cleaning up and making everything right. Some of you might be rapping. Some of you might be working today. Some of you might even just started your Christmas shopping today. Who knows? But this, our agendas are pushing us and we're moving. And the reality is, is that maybe, maybe God wanted you here for a reason. You know, I, I know that if, if God can, can have an entire empire arranged for Jesus to be born in Jerusalem, doesn't it make sense that he is capable to make sure that you are here? to hear his word for you tonight. And if that's true, if God wanted you to hear the message, what is it that he wants us to know? He wants us to know that he's at work. And what he wants us to know is the same thing that he wanted to show the, uh, Mary and Joseph, what he wanted to show the shepherds, what he wanted to show the wise men and to everyone else that God is willing to go to great lengths to show you and to prove to you how much he loves you. This idea of God loves you enough to leave heaven and come to earth. It strikes a chord with every one of us because every one of us wants to be loved. Every one of us wants to experience acceptance, to know that we are valued. And so God is telling us through the birth of his son, that he values us, uh, that he cares deeply for us enough to send his son so that we might have everlasting life. It was John, one of Jesus' closest friends, who's writing a letter near the end of his life, and, and he tells us these words. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world Christmas morning so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You know, this is what we celebrate tonight. We spent some time singing, talking about uh, the birth of a son and to proclaim this light of the world, to recognize that it's not just the humble birth of a lowly child to peasant parents, But instead, this birth is God's love coming to earth to be with us. It's not an empty love. It's not a frivolous love. This is a love that has purpose. You see, God's love, John tells us, came so that we might have eternal life through him. This is only possible because he became the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's what we celebrate when we participate in communion, uh, as we did several minutes ago. It's a recognizing that, that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice acceptable to God. It had to be without blemish. So ever since the Garden of Eden, man has rebelled against God. And this has put us at odds with him. But yet God loves us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. That whoever would believe in him would have this everlasting life. And so Christmas is bringing joy to the world because love came down to, bring, to give you life. What we celebrate is this love that comes to be with us so that we might have life. 
My prayer is, is that you will recognize that Jesus came to be what we should have been, but we could never be. Jesus came to do what we should have done, but we could not do. He came to be our substitute. He came to be in our place, to go in our place, not only in life, but also in death. And it's a bit counterintuitive, but the reality is, is that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but truly it is his death that we should be ever so thankful for. It's knowing that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf that brings us joy and peace. That's this atoning sacrifice that paves the way so that we might have this life everlasting. And during his ministry, Jesus told his disciples, he gathered them together and he said that he came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so as we celebrate Christmas, have you received the gift of his love? Have you said yes to the love of Jesus? If you haven't done that in your life so far, I want to encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit who's speaking into your life and letting you know that God is at work and he's moving among you and he's showing you his love. He's doing it through other people. He's drawing you to his presence. Because if, if Jesus left heaven so that you might have life, what will you do with that life? John goes on further and he says uh, these words. He says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to be, we, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. We love because God loved us. He came that silent night to give us this life everlasting. Trusting in his death, his burial, and his resurrection so that we might have life is what gives meaning to Christmas. Love came down so that we might be with not only Jesus, but by our heavenly Father's side in this time of life everlasting. My prayer is is that you will say yes to Jesus. If you haven't done that, uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, You can uh, indicate that on the bottom of your Connect card. There's a place that says, I want to choose Jesus. You can do that on the app. But don't leave this Christmas uh, in where we don't open up the gift that has your name on it. And Jesus died for you. I want to encourage you to pray with me. You know, Father, we are grateful for your love and your mercy. Grateful, Father, for the way that you come uh, into our lives and that you show us that you care. The way that uh, you went to the cross on our behalf. Lord, I'm grateful for Mary and Joseph's obedience. I'm grateful for their testimony. I'm grateful for the way that they surrendered their lives to you. Lord, grateful for this birth that we celebrate, that we point others to so that they might also experience life. Life everlasting because of what Jesus did on our behalf. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus who saves us. Amen. Let's stand and let's uh, sing together and close in our time of worship as we celebrate the birth of
of the one who died for us.